Good morning and welcome to the Weldon Green Podcast. Today, I'm bringing you episode 202 of the Ask Weldon Show. We're going to talk about talent in eSport again. Yes, we're back on that topic. And uh, tomorrow we have a surprise episode. It's the the first episode of Peak. First episode of Peak, which is a new podcast I'm doing based on uh, understanding peak performance and peaking behind the scenes at the mindset of pros and learning how to peak at the right time in the right place learning how it is that you peak all sorts of double entendres of this word i really like it um but anyway i'm going to try to do a shorter form version of the kind of long form interviews that we typically see with uh, pros and it's not going to be based so much on their history and their life and on current events but it's going to be more based on their performance mindset so that you can learn how it is that uh these kinds of these kinds of peak performance lives are put together but from a scientific angle. So based on my work as a sports psychology trainer and the understanding of theories of peak performance, trying to tease out where it is that they are theoretically in line and what is working for them, and then places where they are either weak or they're discovering something that science doesn't quite understand yet about peak performance in general. Okay, so, but that's for later. Let's jump into the show. Episode 202, we'll kick it off. Good morning and welcome to the Ask Weldon Show, episode 202. My name is Weldon and this is the show where you ask me questions about esport performance and sports psychology or anything else under the sun. Honestly, if you look at my Twitch chat in the pre and post show, you will see that people are asking me such questions as what color shirt should I wear to my finals, etc. So, but my main my main predilection is towards towards sports psychology. I have a master's of sports science in sport and exercise psychology, and I am a coach, both of traditional sports like swimming and a little bit soccer, and that's football for you wonderful Europeans in the audience, and then coach, and then and then sports like League of Legends, and the other esports, I'm a performance or mental or mindset or sports psychology coach, however it is that you like to call it. Sports psychology trainer is the technical term for, uh, I believe, for the, the thing that I do. And the questions that I get are related to tilt and controlling emotions, how to make training more efficient, etc. So you can call in your question to anchor.fm slash Weldon Green, anchor.fm slash Weldon Green. It's a very convenient app for calling in audio questions, which I then put on the show. And today, we have three great questions from three callers. One is about a person who is capable of going pro and wants to know how to balance family and an esports career or how to choose it one or the other or what that looks like because they have the opportunity to go pro but also um, you know a successful relationship. Second question is about one tricking simple versus complex champs and this is something I covered in episode 197 of the show but I don't think the person believed me because they just asked the same question. So I'm going to reiterate it and try to hammer it home. John then asks talent, nature versus nurture. And what is it that separates Faker and the top players in each region from the rest of the pack? Like, what is the difference between the people on Golden Guardians versus TSM versus Team Liquid versus the teams that are like winning championships multiple times um, and seem to be crushing people on stage? Is it genetic? And if so, why? Okay, that's the show. Why don't we jump on into it?
my my headphones are wrapped up in my it's really annoying. All right, there we go. First question is from Westerf, and I didn't actually prepare a question card for this, so I'm just going to leave that blank, and we're going to listen to the audio, you guys. Hi, well done. I am at a weird moment in my life at the moment. I have two things that I consider really important to me, having a beautiful family and also wanting to play a game competitively. I have played the role uh, for some time at a challenger level, but I never got into the LCS. The main problem is, I don't know how to choose between the two. I have already met the woman who will most likely be my future wife, and who would make my dream of a beautiful family a reality, and she's really supportive with my ease for career. But I know deep inside that I don't want to live away from her, and that I will most likely lose her pursuing my esports career. But I also feel the desire and pleasure of playing competitively. It just feels that whenever I try to take a decision to pursue either my studies as a computer scientist or an esports career, something comes up that turns me from my road, mostly my inner fight between the two decisions. So I'm pretty lost at the moment. If you could help me, please. All right. Thank you for this great question. So first of all, I don't think you need to make a decision exclusive to one or the other. I believe that you can always do a CS career. Just start it later, right? Put it off. Do the do the esport career first. And I think that you can do the esport career if it if it dovetails with your other goals. Like there's no reason that you need to that's saying that you need to inherently sacrifice. What you should do is say, "Okay, I'm going to do esport and I'm going to do it hard and I'm not going to and I'm not going to live apart from my wife." Like I agree with you on this, by the way. I think that it's ridiculous. There's a lot of young couples and there's a lot of couples that choose to live apart um, because the world is so easy. Uh, the world so easily thrusts people into different, into different ge- geographic locations. Like you, like you have an opportunity here, they have an opportunity there, you know, um, so you're like, okay, well, let's just like live apart. You follow your opportunity, I'll follow my, follow my opportunity, and then you end up like in a separate situation and, and the relationship is like falling apart. My wife and I made a commitment to each other and said, we're ne- we're just not going to do anything apart, like no business trips, no, no pursuing careers in different paths. Like we just did literally every single thing together and we took turns. So, you know, she went first and I followed her. I just quit my job, quit my, you know, quit my friendships, whatever. Like I just, she, she moved to Chile and I just went with her. Then it was my turn and I wanted to go teach in Japan. So she, you know, applied also and just followed me to Japan and quit everything that she was doing and sacrificed for two years for that. And and of course, she had a great time too, and she also had a job, and it was the same program that I was on. And then I had an opportunity to continue that, but she it was her turn, and she wanted to go to Harvard and study for her master's. So I quit my job there, and I gave up everything I was doing there, and I followed her to Harvard, and we did that. And I focused on supporting her while she was doing that. You know, I had a job, whatever, and so I think that it's totally possible. You just have to know who's in the driver's seat and stay together and just make it a rule. And so what you do is you say, I'm going to do eSport and LCS and I'm not going to compromise whether or not I live with my wife or my future wife, my, my fiance, the person I want to be with, period. And then you find a way to make that happen. So when a team calls you and says, hey, come to Berlin and let's do a tryout, you know, uh, you go for the weekend and you come back. And when they say, okay, come move into the gaming house, you say, uh, not going to happen. I got to live in my own apartment and commute to the gaming house every day. Sorry. 
and that's that. And you, and your wife has to agree, or your fiance has to agree that it's like your turn, right? That you're going to be doing this for two years, and that she's going to be supporting you, getting a job, you know, moving to where you are, traveling with you to tournaments, and you're going to make much less money because you're going to have to paying for a ticket for her, um, and you're going to be have to paying for like you know housing for her, et cetera, et cetera. And it's going to be a lot more expensive. You're going to make less money, but you're going to have, at the end you're going to have a marriage, which is worth the cost, right, of not banking that. So just do both, like don't compromise and don't sacrifice and don't, and, and yes, the answer is yes. When you, when you ask the question, but am I going to have less opportunity and is it going to be harder and am I going to reach the same heights, like am I going to have a problem reaching the same heights that I would reach if I could sacrifice, if I could like go fully all in and the answer is yes, you will uh, restrain yourself and you will not reach the same heights that you could reach if you were by yourself necessarily. Although that's can be argued against because it could be said that like you will actually have more success because of the support and the social support and the emotional support and the financial support than somebody who doesn't have that. So maybe your career will be more brilliant, but it will feel like you're always making um, making hedges and sacrifices because you're not willing to do some of the things necessary for an esport career that would involve, uh, right, the relationship. But uh, but that's just what it comes with. Like, so you can't do it fully all in and and do it perfectly and be the best at something because you you know you're just you're always going to be at home and you just are not going to play as much solo queue as your teammates and that's that right because you're going to prioritize going on a date with your wife. But then that's a that's a choice that you're making because you want both things and you can have both things kind of does that make sense as far as the cs career like yeah it's a hobby dude just uh like hobby it up while you're while you're pursuing esport and then it will become your main thing afterwards especially because you will learn a lot of skills in esport through high level competition that will help you with your cs career um and it is always it always behooves you to just keep coding right and just keep doing little hobby projects and whatever in your free time you need something to keep your mind off of training when you're doing esport um some people play guitar like luka perkovich perks um some people play piano some people watch anime some people code in their free time or build a website something like that good luck hope that was helpful for you second question is from Hawaiian Sage. Hey, Wilden. So, I've read up a lot on one-tricking, as I've been a mid-lane main one-tricking Ari for a while. What I've come across is that people recommend to play our high sc- higher skill cap champions so that you can get more out of the time you put into that one champion. But what I've found is that even though you're putting more time into a higher skill cap champion, because they are high skill cap, you're constantly, constantly focused on learning more about the champion rather than macro or micro gameplay. And so I was wondering what your opinion is on one-tricking. Like, what t- champions would you recommend? And would you say that those types of champions that are more complex are really good for one-tricking, or if I should keep one-tricking something like Ari, which is a lot more simple and allows you to learn the game better. All right, so I answered this exact question in episode 197, and either Cabe 
like didn't bother to or sorry sage didn't bother to go back and listen to it or they just don't believe my answer so let me reiterate again it's better to one trick the most complex champion you can so that you learn the most but the result should be the same that you should be able to not ever think about playing the champ and focus on macro and decision making so let's say that you aren't good enough to one trick a complex champ and you aren't good enough to or you don't have enough time to spend in the day to put in the volume necessary to encounter all sorts of situations with the champion that you can then make automatic well then you shouldn't one trick them you should go slightly simpler and then you should go slightly simpler so it's the, the answer is completely dependent on how much free time you have like do you have enough time to get past all of the thinking and get to the automatic portion? And if the answer is yes, then you want to a complex champ. And if the answer is no, then you've answered your own question. You can't dedicate yourself enough to the game to one trick a complex champ, and so you have to one trick a slightly simpler champ because you can't make everything automatic. The point of one tricking is to make it automatic. One trick the most complex champ that you can one trick based on your ability to learn and your time that you can invest in the game. So if you can put in 12 games a day uh, and really focused games and you're studying the champion and you can get those two weeks under your belt and then it's done, then you can one trick it like problem solved. But my guess is that you have struggled to do that. And so then you should just play any. Last question, guys, before we jump into the final question, let me remind you that you should check out the Mac program which is my training program for amateur athletes. It's an online video training program. Actually, pros have come to me and said that they took this course and then they and then they went pro. Just putting that out there. I've had a pro come to me and say, hey, uh, I was thinking about going pro and uh, I took your program and I, and I kept training and I got, got to pro. Just putting that out there. I don't have any like causal versus correlational relationship here that I've studied or anything, but that was a testimony I received. Okay, anyway, um, yeah, this is an online video training course. Every single video is a combination of meditation plus lecture, and you learn some stuff, and then you meditate, and then you learn some stuff, and then you meditate. Rinse and repeat, 47 days, seven modules, seven days each, more or less, and it's based on the principles of mindfulness acceptance commitment which are the kind of like core concepts for building mental resilience and focusing on things and i got a great testimony yesterday which i loved and i'm going to share it here now it says um this is a comment on one of my previous youtube videos when i took your mac program i originally and this is from uh warrior 91 When I took your Mac program, I originally wanted to get a higher rank, but as I went through it, I had to ask myself all of these questions that I want for my life. And I stopped playing League almost instantly. Let's see if I can share the browser. Oh, I can't. Okay. After I had done some grinding, figuring it was simply not worth it. Now, instead of thinking about the game grind, I think about the life grind. I get up at 5 a.m. every single day, go to four times a week to the gym. I meal prep three to four days, two times a week to eat right. And then when I get home from work, I'm taking classes in Udemy. Everything in my life is accelerating and it's hard to stop. Just take your competitive gaming mentality and apply it to life. It's so simple, but so hard to execute on. Thank you for everything. Okay, so this is the kind of responses that I usually get. I usually get two kinds of responses. One, hey, thanks. I ranked up and went pro. Or, or number two, hey, thanks, I quit com- gaming completely. And it depends on what the reality, what, not the reality, what the truth 
of your life is. Are you doing games for escapism? Or are you doing games for the pursuit of self-mastery in a way that is activating you? And you have a balanced, like, you have an imbalanced approach to it, but one that is healthy. And if the answer is escapism, usually this program helps people to find their passion and to pursue that. And if the answer is um, that their passion lies within optimizing themselves for eSport, then great. And also, by the way, this is a performance program, so it works to optimize yourself towards whatever performance you are currently trying to game, aim towards. And although I use gaming language in here occasionally, it's mostly because it caters to the eSport crowd. The principles, mindfulness, acceptance, commitment, are agnostic of eSport. Okay, so that is the program. You can buy it, mindgames.gg slash MAC. It's 30 bucks with a $5 discount because I try to track where it is that people hear about this program. You should use the code AskWeldon to say, Twitch, YouTube, use the code AskWeldon, get your $5 discount, and check it out. It's a 100% satisfaction guarantee. What does that mean? It means if this program is not for you, just tell me and I'll give you your money back. I'm not in it here to make millions from people's um, dissatisfaction. I'm in it to make an effective training program which i'm trying to optimize so i'm trying to get feedback and i'm trying to make it a new app and i've been improving it this is the third version of it that i've launched and i'm trying to make it as powerful as possible uh, and if you don't want to be part of that that's fine just message me and i will refund you as many years into the future as you like even if you did the whole entire program and you say hey i didn't learn anything or hey i learned stuff but i just want my money back i'm not satisfied fine i don't care man whatever Last question. Uh, you guys are going to love this question. You're just going to love it. Hey, well, Maybe love the answer. So I know that when looking at professional League of Legends players, most, if not all, are very talented, and most, if not all, also work very hard. I also believe that for most people and in most endeavors, success has a lot more to do with hard work than innate talent. But I wanted to ask you specifically about the very best players in League of Legends. People like Faker, Prey, Khan, Ambition, or if you just look at North America, Bjergsen, Doublelift, Jensen. For the very best players, how much do you attribute their status to hard work versus innate talent? Are they the absolute best because they work harder than the other pros do? Or because they were just lucky in being born with a slight edge of innate talent and then were able to work hard enough to manifest that? Thanks. All right. So the real answer to this question. Let's get rid of like useless words in this conversation. Okay, we're going to take this scientific approach because I am a scientist and uh, I don't deal with like, first of all, I don't deal with absolutes. There's a genetic component to everything that you're, that you're talking about. Um, so there is no such thing as like, oh, it's all nurture, it's all nature. There's a genetic component to everything that you do, whether it's genetic or epigenetic, right? The question is always, what percentage impact does it have causally on the, on the outcome of the human endeavor. And if we're talking about um, digesting carbohydrates, there can be a larger genetic component to that um, compared to something like, I don't know, skill at watching movies, let's say. So the first thing that we need to do is say, like, what is it, is, is it... What genetic advantages do 
the top, 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 top players have, and are they unique within the population or are they general polymorphisms? Okay. So, and by that I mean like, does it matter if the advantage that Bjergsen has or Faker has is genetic if like half of the other pros in the pro scene also have the same genetic polymorphisms that he does? And so, yes, he's optimizing his genetics, So, but why aren't the other pros, right? They have the same exact kind of like changes at the same, uh, at the same address in their, in their DNA. So what's the deal here? All right, so generally speaking, let's talk about this. It's going to be pretty difficult to identify quote-unquote talent in eSport because what genetic advantages do you imagine uh, are evolved for and naturally selected for that have to do with eSport training? Let's start there. Okay, so first of all, IQ, no, that's not going to be one. Generally speaking, if we look at games like chess or high IQ games, there is a there is a inverse relationship at the top end to IQ and, and and master performance. So yes, high IQ is predictive of you getting a high rank on the ladder, but it's actually unpredictive of you getting to the best at the at the game in general because what happens, and this is this is at the population level, what happens in chess, they theorize, is that people who have a higher IQ have an easier time learning and then they do not learn the grind. They do not learn how to learn. And actually, you need to learn how to learn because what happens is you eventually run out of a system. Eventually, you cannot study something else anymore and you have to figure it out yourself. You have to create your own craft and your own path and your own art and your own mastery. And to do that, you need to have learned how to learn. And people who do not have as high IQ have a harder time climbing in the initial phases of the game or they have a harder time figuring out like, kind of what to do and they have to figure it out on their own and they learn how to learn. And so while there there are less of these people who make it to the the challenger and masters level and high rank on the ladder because it takes a higher IQ to get there, there are far more of them that make it to the pro level because that's what it takes to ascend to the next level. So IQ, nope, not going to be that. Okay, then so that's raw intelligence, right? So let's talk about reaction speed. Also not predictive because everybody falls on a spectrum. Uh, that is that is quite normal within within human standards, and it's also pretty relevant when you look at like the game's buffering. What we're talking about is it what we're talking about in terms of reaction speed that you measure in a lab. Something like looking at a dot on the screen and clicking a button, or like hitting your knee with a hammer. So we're talking about reflex here. Those are so close across the swath of humans that it's almost like irrelevant the difference in between them. I mean, one cup of coffee can change you from like from human to non-human in terms of like the speed of your reactions. And then what we're actually doing in League of Legends or other esports is a trained reaction, right? It's a visual stimulus that you recognize a pattern from that you have a trained motor reflex to. And that training is like the genetic components of that training are your neuroplasticity, right? Like how good are you are, how good are you at, um, like recruiting neurons for recognizing visual patterns. And these polymorphisms are not going to be unique to one individual. They're going to be like 50% of the population or 20% of the population, or they're going to be, they're going to be very common traits that you're going to find uh, in the genetic code uh, if they're even located at all. So if they're, if they're located on one or two or three 
addresses, then they're going to be they're going to be found like in a large swath of human beings, and I highly doubt they're going to be unique to the people at the top of the pool. Okay, so what other genetic things can you can you consider that would be naturally selected for for esport? By the way, the the sports that are the most genetically causal, so like the things that are most connected to genetics are sprinting and distance running. So human sprinting related to height, related to muscle fiber quality, related to um, your ability to either process lactic acid or your ability to tolerate lactic acid, um, your ability to shuttle pyruvate to other portions of your body. Um, all of these things are like rather selected. And when you have somebody who has a cocktail, so what you're looking for is a cocktail, right? It's not one single genetic trait that's going to be like, oh, this guy becomes a champion. It's going to be, oh, they have everything in the basket in one person. It's like winning the lottery, right? So you're going to be looking at cocktails. You're going to be looking at like, okay, they have the pyruvate shuttle. They have the lactic acid tolerance. They have the... um they have the VO2, the high base VO2 max, which of course is trainable, but you can have a high base genetically. Um, they have the height. They have the perfect femur length. You know, they have the like the type two muscle fiber density uh, that is like naturally off the charts compared, you know, to their to their to other races or other peers, whatever it may be. And so, you know that that can select in running, and that can select in, in distance running also. Uh, if we're looking at things like pain tolerance. It gets a lot murkier when you look at things like eSport, which are not naturally selected for. So there wasn't a condition in the in the early jungle where a tiger would kill you if you weren't good at eSport training, uh, you know, or where your family wouldn't eat if you weren't good at running. That makes sense. Uh, the fact that your family wouldn't eat if you weren't good at, like, cat, Katarina, or, or Sona doesn't make sense. Okay, these things weren't selected for. So the cocktail is going to be incredibly obscure and convoluted and most likely not very predictive of course there's a genetic component to all this whether it's predictive towards high level success i would say is is almost like almost no chance of that so what are we looking at then for predicting first of all getting pro and then also getting to the top end of pro most likely we're looking at things like your ability to focus and learn so how much time can you spend in deep focus? Now, there is a genetic component to this, for sure. Uh, I've seen this in my own kids. Like, some kids just come out with one personality, another kid comes out with a different personality. I'm sure there's a nurture component to this, but it's so mixed up with their with their um, birth that, you know, it's, it's probably impossible to know. But, like, deep focus, okay, this can also be trained. Uh, so there's a genetic component, certainly, but... So you have an advantage if you don't have to worry about this, but if you um, if you get it for free, awesome. There's, there's a massive nurture component, right? Parenting probably matters more than any singular genetic for eSport. I would say parenting is going to be like the determining factor. How did your parents prepare you, or how did your peer group, or how did the world prepare you for learning, for focus, for um, for putting in the time at the right time of your development, right? So when your brain is, uh, the, br- the brain of humans, sorry, the brains of, of children and the brains of adults like learn differently, right? Because brain, children's brains are going through brain death, like they're killing off a lot of cells and they're forming uh, 
discrete sections of their brain by eliminating neurons uh, and, and, and off of the experiences that they have, which is why some of the things that you can experience, like trauma in childhood, can have a lasting impact on the structure of your brain. Whereas when you look at like adults, like 26 plus, right, the brain's fo- fully formed, most of the changes that you're going to see are related to recruiting neural connections from existing neurons into nearby areas. So your, your neuroplasticity is going to be related to pulling in and recruiting other areas of your brain and co-opting them for the task that you want to do. Kids do this too, of course, but, um, but they have, a, they have a, this other learning component. Uh, and the fact that their brain is wired so differently and so in so many different crazy ways and everything's going to be fired differently uh, as they're like eliminating neural connections is going to change how it is they learn. So, so the parenting and learning styles and the way that you're nurtured is, in terms of how your brain is formed probably matters a lot more than any particular gene that's going to control this process, your experience they have in your life. Like, for example, let's say I was just reading a study the other day on rat brains, uh, which pretty similar to human brains in terms of uh, a lot of the things that we're finding can affect them. And so let's say that you have a traumatic experience where you're dragged away from your mother for a 24-hour or 48-hour period um, sometime within the first three months of your life. So you're going to be, you're going to, you're going to have permanent lasting structural, let's say damage, but let's say change like a neuro, non-neurotypical uh, to your brain that's going to increase your chance for schizophrenia and like all of these other disorders. So all of a sudden you have a less, less propensity to become a pro player. Is this genetic? Not really, unless you unless you have a gene for resilience and you didn't experience trauma during this during this forty hour separation, which I don't know if they're ever going to find something like that. Maybe something like that exists. Who knows? Um, but this singular forty eight hour period is going to have more impact on your possibility of becoming pro than any gene ever could, um, because you know it's it's like damaging the structure of your brain. This is where we are in terms of the talent debate in eSport. Like, sure, I'm willing to to look into and, and understand any sort of genetic component to anything because everything is always a certain amount genetic, but then what impact does it have in reality versus like how it is like whether or not your parents let you play video games at the, at the appropriate age and how many hours you logged on, on the reflexes necessary to pull that out. That's going to matter so much more and the focus that you had while doing that, and where does that deep focus come from? Well, it comes from how you were raised, more or less, and, and your learning style. And and um, these things are, are really, really strongly influenced by, by parenting. <clears throat> and of course, there's a personality component, but who knows how much that is? I certainly don't. And I don't think that there's any study that can claim authority on that. And I don't think that there's we're close to any consensus on it in terms of like the genetic versus the nurture component of how our brains are formed in terms of like learning and stuff like that. Okay, so now to get back to the original question, which is what is the separation between the pack and the top, top, top pros? My experience is it's ambition. Everything is geared. I can I can literally place like i can talk to a person and i can i can figure out their performance framework and their mentality and i can figure out their level of ambition um and i can i can predict i can like say okay they're going to be at this spot 
And so far, I've been pretty accurate with that in my self-analysis. And I know that you just have to take my word for it, because I'm not going to provide you any evidence of this. But my complete experience with the psychological framework of these top performing athletes is that the higher levels of ambition are the ones who are able to sustain the kind of actions necessary to separate themselves from the rest of the pack. And that with a lower ambition, it's just not the case. Like people just have lower ambition. And the, and they and then they cannot sustain on a daily basis, they cannot sustain the types of actions that would separate them from the pack. Uh, in that in that regard, okay. So, essentially, you can think of amb- the level of ambition that you have as a pain tolerance, like processing. So you can handle more pain and more suffering and more sacrifice than uh, another person attempting the same thing. And then, because you can suffer more pain and sacrifice, you're willing and able to put in more of the of the intensity, so you can focus longer. And you are harder on yourself when you're making the mistakes, and you're less forgiving of your teammates, um, and you are willing to like do extra things to figure out how to lead somebody or train something. You're more willing to accept criticism from anybody that helps you. And like, like let me put it this way: the people just below the top, I struggle. I have to find ways of getting through to them with criticism and education. The people at the top, so we're talking like the Perks, the Bjergsons, the, um, the double lifts, they're willing to listen to anything that will give them an edge. Like they're like some crackpot crazy dude who doesn't know anything gives them like advice. And within that advice, there is like 90% nonsense and 1% possibly useful information. And they'll thank the person, maybe not overly, but internally, they'll thank the person. They'll be like, ah, okay, I learned something that you will never see somebody who is like, slightly less than that level of ambition, giving that kind of feedback a second thought. Okay? And I've had this experience directly, and I've also observed it, um, just the difference in ambition level and what that allows people to psych- to like psychologically accept. And yes, that kind of criticism will give you the edge. That kind of like 1%, okay, I picked out one thing from this thing. Um, that kind of like malformed seeking for perfection uh, that imperfection is just not good enough. Like some people accept that. And then some people's level of ambition is high enough that they cannot accept that. And so they strive. And that is the differentiating factor that I have experienced between the like top performers and below. And of course, that has to be moderated by time and, and success rate. So first you have to be good enough. And then your ambition has to be so ridiculous that you don't accept kind of anything less. And then, and then you have to have time to put it in. So if you're looking at somebody like Julius, who I believe actually has true ambition. So um, like when I, I haven't really ever talked to him, so I don't actually know. But when I see him perform and when I see him talk, I think maybe this guy has real ambition. And I mean like the kind of ambition that like Perks has, right? Then, um, then what he needs is time, and he needs to apply pressure over time. It's kind of like how you whittle out, you know, a cleft in a rock through dripping water of a, of a waterfall over thousands of years. Uh, depending on how you were raised and how much time you spent into video games and 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 your and your 
ability to perform at those games, you're going to need more or less time with that ambition applied at the pro level to make it to the very, very top. But everybody gets a shot if you if you can make your career long enough to catch up to people who had more time playing video games than you did or were more efficient with that time because they're learning abilities that are just better than yours because of how they were raised or, or the genetic components of those skills in the first place. All right, so that's the answer. The answer is that, the, first of all, get rid of the word talent. It's just like a, cock, a word for the, for the mysterious thing that people don't understand. Like, let's talk actual genetic polymorphisms and the cocktail of appropriate genetics to the brain structures that are going to be predictive of esports success. Okay. Uh, talent in every single sport is fundamentally different. So you got to figure out like w- what it is that gives that sport an edge and then figure out, first of all, if it's genetic and then of course it's genetic, but uh, what, what probability or what part of the genetics is actually predictive. And you got to remember that for a large majority of our, of our cases, there's going to be, there's not going to be a mutation there. That's, that's advantageous. Like half the pop or a third of the population is going to have one gene. A third of the population is going to have another and a third is going to have the, the other one. And that's going to be it. The whole separation is between those, you know, one thirds, and like that's that's not predictive of success. You share you share a genetic polymorphism with two billion other human beings, and so that makes you a pro or like a really good um, curler in Canada. No, that's not the case. Sorry. Um, yeah, I think that's where we are with the with the current talent debate in esports, um, in, in the scientific community at least. I'm not a genetic researcher, by the way. I just read tons of actual research, and I don't read books, really. I just read journal articles, more or less. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, and I have... I was asked this question a couple of years ago. Uh, actually, I think, it, I think it was 12 months ago I last delved into this, and I read... Um, and around 15 to 20 journal articles on a, on a series of flights to Berlin and back to kind of keep myself abreast of like what could possibly be the genetic predictors for talent in mental, more mentally based sports like chess and <clears throat> sports that don't have like a running component. Yeah. And can't really find much. Can't really find much. It's really tough. The causal relationship between the gen- genetics and success is going to is really low. That's it. That's the show for you today. Come on over to Twitch chat, everybody on the YouTube audience. We're going to go over there right now. Hope that you enjoyed the program. Make sure to check out the Mac program and call in your questions. That's the show for you today. And please remember, if you're going to check out the Mac program, to use the code podcast. This is the audio version of the show and so you should use the code podcast and to reward you for listening to the audio version i give you an extra dollar off uh just to incentivize you to use that code instead of the one that is uh presented in the show for the youtube audience and thanks so much for listening here i appreciate you and i will see you next time